Hello and welcome to A History of Electronic Music, Part 1. Welcome to the show. Um, that was just a little theme tune I threw together there to demonstrate some of the many, many genres and styles that I'll be covering in the coming weeks, months and years. Because literally this program could go on forever. There's so much electronic music out there now. Um, a lot of the time I'll be concentrating on particular artists or particular genres. But for the first few programs I'll be concentrating on... Um, particular instruments because uh, the early history of electronic music is obviously dominated by whatever whatever instruments were available to make it also i would like to say that most of the time i'll be concentrating on playing the music because that's the important thing but this first um, episode might be a little bit talky because um, it's very hard to find examples of this very early music from these instruments that uh, no longer exist some of them so, um, to begin with, the very first electronic instrument was the singing arc, um, invented by William Duddell in 1899. And this was based on the whistle sound, um, which was a byproduct of electric arc lamps. And it was mainly just for, um, just for use in lectures and, and just a novelty, essentially. So it didn't really catch on commercially. And it, it mustn't have sounded very nice either. Something that caught on a lot more and caused a bit of a stir at the time was the Telharmonium, which was developed by Thaddeus Cahill in 1902, and he called it an electric music plant. Now this thing was huge, it weighed about 200 tonnes, and I think there's only three ever made, um, one of which was in Telharmonium Hall in New York. And it was designed to be broadcast over the telephone system, the very primitive telephone system at the time. Unfortunately, no audio examples exist of it, so we can't really know what it sounded like, but it did work on the similar principle to that of the Hammond organ, except it was massive. I mean, there's a picture here of a man stood next to one of the, the, the cog things that makes it work, and it's as tall as him, and I think there's several of these inside it. So Mr. Cahill must have had a certain amount of money to be able to build it in the first place, and to build three of them is quite an achievement. And the telharmonium, of course, was um, invented before the development of the thermionic valve, which allowed the amplification of small currents. So it couldn't really be heard except over wires, so the telephone system was the only way to actually hear it. But it did cause quite a stir at the time. 
There were a lot of people interested in uh, the idea of electronic music in the early 1900s. And there's a lot of experimentation about in terms of, I mean, Eric Satie, for instance, in his uh, work Parade, used a typewriter, revolver shots and a ship's siren in, in a piece of classical music. And this is a very prevailing idea of the time. And one particular experiment caught my attention. I'll quote from Electronic Music by Andy McKay about this. Most dramatic of all experiments with noise and natural sounds was the concert of factory sirens and steam whistles on 7th of November 1922 at Baku in the USSR. The factory sirens of the entire city were augmented by the foghorns of the Caspian fleet, a battery of artillery, machine gunners and aircraft. These were conducted from the rooftops to produce a revolutionary celebration of socialist art. People were interested in um, just experimenting with sound and after the telharmonia there was, there was a lot of um, experiments with sound and film because film used to be sound used to be recorded optically onto film and there were a lot of experiments of making pictures into sound um, Laszlo Maholi Naji the photographer was one of the person one of the people involved in those experiments but I can't really touch on them because again um, there's no examples of them Moving on a few years, we come to the invention of the theremin by Leon Theremin in 1919. But I'll be talking more about that next programme, as the music associated with that is more 1950s, and in this programme I'll be talking about music earlier than that. So I'll move on to an instrument called the Troutonium, which was invented by Friedrich Trautwein in 1930. Now, he was a pupil of the composer Paul Hindemith, who wrote some pieces especially for the Troutonium. So I can actually play some music instead of talking, and then I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about it afterwards. This is a, a piece written for three Troutoniums in 1930 by Paul Hindemith, and it's Mit Fernwerk und Klandfarben Weschel, which means with far or distance work and tone quality change. This is Paul Hindemith. by Paul Hindemith, written for the Tritonium in 1930. Now, as you can see, it's quite an expressive instrument, and it was um, 
uses subtractive synthesis and is controlled by a ribbon device, so it's quite expressive. Um, that particular part was played by Oscar Sala, who was one of the person people that originally helped Friedrich Trautwein actually build the first Troutonium. And Oscar Sala subsequently invented the Mixter Troutonium, which is um, an advancement of the Troutonium. Now the Troutonium was also used by Richard Strauss in the Japanese festival music, which I was going to try and play you, but the CD on Amazon costs £44, so I just can't afford that. Um, but on with the music, and another part that Hindemith wrote for uh, three Troutoniums, and this is Mithauptwerk, Fernwerk, and Klangfarbenwäschel, which means with headwork far or distance work and tone quality change and it's gonna start any second now Another piece by Paul Hindemith there. Um, I should say that that was played by Oscar Sala again. Um, and it was multi-tracked because I'm not sure if there's actually three Tritoniums available <laughs> in existence anymore. But there is a very useful website where you can actually look to, to build one. And there's how they work and everything on that on Tritonium.com. Tritonium.com rather. Um, so check that out if you're more interested in finding out a little bit more about that. Um, I'll finish on the Tritonium with playing quite a long piece, which is again by Paul Hindemith, and it's a concert for the Tritonium with a string orchestra. Um, and this is very similar to, um, with a lot of the rest of the music I'll be playing, it, it sort of worked into orchestras rather than solo pieces like that. So this is concertino for... Troutonium and String Orchestra by Paul Hindemith, written in 1931.
Um, concertino for Tritonium and String Orchestra by Paul Hindemith. Um, some of the earliest electronic music you're ever likely to hear. Um, moving on from the Tritonium, we have the Andes Martino, which was invented by Maurice Martino in 1928. Now this was um, played via a seven octave keyboard and ribbon devices for vibrato and glissando effects. And it's essentially, Martineau wanted more respectability for the electronic instrument. So he wanted it more as a, a an instrument within an orchestra. And that's what it essentially has become. Although certainly not popular. There was a, a, around about the time there was quite a lot of stuff written for it. But now obviously not that many people have even heard of it. And Martineau himself actually set up a, a school for excellence at, at playing the Andes Martineau or the Martineau Waves, as it, is, it translates into English. Um, but let's move on with the music. And one of the composers that wrote quite extensively for the for the Martineau was Messiaen. And this is an early piece of his. I'm not quite sure what year it's from, but this is uh, Foulier number four, uh, Foulier in Edit number four.
Thomas Block on the Andes Martino, accompanied by Bernard Wisson on the piano, playing Fulia Inedite number four by Olivier Messiaen. Now let's move straight on with the music and a piece by on the same CD that that was on, which is Andes Martino, Thomas Block performs. This is a piece by Boruslav Martinu and it's Fantasy.
An extract from Fantasy by Bohruslav Martinou, um, written in 1944. Um, that was Bernard Wisson on the piano, Marek Skwatowski on the oboe, the Pomeranian Quartet and the Fernand Quattrochi, um, and with Thomas Bloch on the Andes Martineau. So you can see that the Andes Martineau actually integrates quite well into an orchestra. And you might have to listen out for it a little bit harder in the next section, because this is a, a symphony by Olivier Messiaen again, and it's it's harder to hear. It's still it's still obviously there, but there's a lot. But this is with a full orchestra as well, and it, it's not the electronic part is not the the main focus of this piece essentially. Um, so what I'm going to play next is um, three extracts from the Turan Galila symphony and it was written based on the legend of Tristan and Isolt and Turan Galila is a Sanskrit word and I'll read you the meaning from the sleeve notes of the CD. Leela meant play but in this context the play of life and death and love. Turanga meant time, time that flows like a galloping horse, like sand through an hourglass. I'm going to start off by playing part two of the symphony, which is Chant d'Amour, which translates as Song of Love, because that uses the Andes Martinet quite a bit, and it's quite prominent. You can hear it quite clearly. Here it comes.
part two of Olivier Messiaen's Turanga Lila Symphony there, um, which was the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Simon Rattle, uh, Tristan Murray on the Andes Martineau, and Peter Donahoe, I believe, on the piano. Let me just check. Yes, on the piano. Uh, moving straight on to part five of that same symphony by them same people, Joy du Sang des Etoiles, which I'll translate at the end of it.
part five of Olivier Messiaen's Turangalila Symphony, which is Joy du Sang des Etoiles, which means Joy of the Blood of Stars. Um, to finish tonight's programme, part six of that same symphony, again featuring the Andes Martineau. This is Jardin du Sommeil de Amour, which means Garden of the Sleep of Love. Apologies for my um, French pronunciation.
An extract there from part six of the Turangalila Symphony by Olivier Messiaen. That was Garden of the Sleep of Love. Um, that's the end of this program. Um, apologies if there wasn't quite enough electronic music in there. Um, there's a lot of classical music using electronic instruments, but not much purely electronic music. Um, that'll certainly be rectified in future programs. Um, I'm not. Um, next week's episode is about the theremin. I haven't got the CDs for that yet, so I can't really tell you what kind of music they are, they are. But um, look out for that. Hopefully, I'll be doing one of these every month, and I'll try and keep on top of it. And if you need to, if you want to contact me, if you think I've missed out anything or misrepresented any sort of music. Um, just let me know to contact me on shekel.shekel, which is S-H-E-E-K-L, at hotmail.com. And, yeah, just um, stay tuned. See ya. Mm-hmm.